Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined here at the Making Chips headquarters with Nick Golner and Jim Carr. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. Waiting for that glass of wine to get to get through with this this episode. Jim, you never want to get through a Making Chips episode. You always yeah. want to learn from it. Aren't you excited to be here? I am. Just trying to get through. Are you a clock in, clock out kind of guy? No, not at all. I, I go way we'll, into the we'll night. We'll stay clock in. Well, well, mostly I go early in the morning. You're, you're that, that's when I, my morale. That's when I'm most effective is early we'll in the morning. stay engaged in this episode. And speaking of I will, staying... I I saw I previewed the content. It looks good. like it's going to be a good one. Well, well, speaking of staying engaged, have you guys ever gotten into a fight with your wife because of miscommunication? No, ever in the years Absolutely of your marriage, not. absolutely, and everything I said. Well, tomorrow, about you, Jim? tomorrow will be thirty-two years. Wow! And congratulations. I, thank you. I think that it's only happened a couple of times, honest to God, where we've actually actually got into a screaming fight. I'm not. No, I'm not just talking about screaming. I, I don't know if my wife. Well, maybe we have, but I'm just. I'm just. I'm <laughs> no, just when you forgot to, when you forgot to update your uh, passport. That you was had, bad. Oh, that yeah. was bad. That was bad. That was bad. But isn't miscommunication usually one of like the primary reasons why you get into a fight with your wife? I would say because your hearts are usually in the right place. So why can't you get along? Exactly. But you say something dumb and your wife doesn't think your heart's or, in the right place. Or you say this and she hears that. Exactly. Or vice versa. Right. It's all about interpretation. <laughs> yeah. And our, and our wives are very different people. They think about things differently. They have different priorities, different communication styles. And that just adds to an entire litany of potential problems. The end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's I think, guys. <laughs> yeah, but nobody's learned anything because this is all very obvious. But I, I would say, is this about our wives? No, it's not. Oh, okay. So just like, you know, like our relationship with our wives as manufacturing leaders, we have a different relationship with the people that report to us, the people that are on our team. And, and I think that we need to be cognizant of communicating effectively with with our team. So in this episode of Making Chips, we're going to discuss how to effectively communicate with your team. And we're, of course, going to be coming from the perspective of a manufacturing leader. But if you're an aspiring manufacturing leader, many of these tactics can also help you. As a servant leader, I, I believe that we should always be coming from a humble stance when we communicate with our team. But you need to be also especially humble when you're using these tactics to communicate with, say, your boss or your peers or anybody like that. Did you say there's a difference in communicating with your employees versus communicating with your peers? Yeah, I think that whenever somebody, and I'm not saying that this is this is 100% the case like on my team. One of the things that I always repeatedly, and that's going to be something we talk about, tell my team is be honest with me with everything. Like call me out if I'm wrong, tell me a, a counterpoint of view, but I'm just giving a warning because if there's an aspiring manufacturing leader out there whose boss or superior or whatever you want to call them doesn't like to be challenged, you need to be careful in how you communicate with that person. So you just need to be, everybody needs to be careful based on who the person are that they're it's talking to. It's just a to. good general rule in this industry to, when you're talking to people who are your elders, to take yes. a very humble approach, especially if you're working with cultures that aren't American. Like in other That's cultures, like point. even if yes. you're, like there's not every boss is like Jason, right? So like, hey, be honest with me if I do something wrong. You go to like Japan and act like that. It's like, do not do that. You know, well, do and, not do that. And, and I think that what you mentioned about like 
respecting your elders is is very important. I mean, my dad's called me out when I've been disrespectful to him before and of course apologized. And that father-son dynamic is not an easy thing to navigate. And and sometimes you can communicate with, say, somebody on your family different than you would with somebody else on your team, but that doesn't look good to everybody else. We know all about this because there are three manufacturing yes. family businesses represented. And you don't know, Nick. I just had a, I had a blow, I'd never have blowouts with my son. And I had one just this morning and I was telling Jason. I was kind of waiting for here. Jim and see if he was yeah. going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like, listen to the show. So, but I was right and he was wrong. So, anyway, <laughs> Jim, you know what's funny is that you say that exact same thing as it, as it relates to when you fight with, with your wife. I don't fight with my wife. Right. So. But you, you say because you've, kind of conditioned her to realize that you're right and she's wrong. No, no. <laughs> That's what she told I, me. <laughs> I, I am very humble and I will say I am sorry if I believe that I truly should be. But anyway, yes, we are all third generation or multi-generational manufacturing leaders and we all have family within the business and it's difficult. You definitely communicate with a family member differently than you do with an employee or a non-family peer member. So are we going to walk away with some tactical... Yes, we are. But before we go there, Jim, tell me what's going on great at Car Machine and Tool. We're very blessed that business keeps coming in. We've we've hooked in with some industries that are doing well, and we're going to be moving in a few months. I don't know when that's going to happen, but there's a lot of work that has to be done. But no, I, it's good. It's just difficult right now because there's so much, so many moving circles going on and, and pieces to the puzzle. I, but I'm I curious, enjoy it. How long do you predict it will take to move your shop into the new location? How many days or weeks? The machines yeah, or just, just like, the whole operations? Just, you know, you're manufacturing right now. Yeah. And how long until you're manufacturing in your new spot? Two days. Wow, you guys are going to really bust. They're going to move all they're going to move all the machines you're in one bust day. Bust your butts. Yeah. And then the electrician comes in the next day and with the same thing with the air, the Is it super air. expensive to pay like are you doing like a rigging thing to move? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I'm not going to put it in well, the back yeah, of my right. Buick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is uh, it? What is, put that 5 axis uh, in the uh, trunk. I've never had to do that. Wait, I'll, I'll bring I'll bring my wife's little SUV that day. Yeah. You got a trailer? I got a buddy, he's got a pickup. Yeah, only we're only moving two blocks, so it's not that expensive. So it was it was a lot less than I anticipated. Really, I shouldn't okay. say that, but Jim, Jim true story. I, and and you actually know who this shop is, although I'm not going to mention their name. I do know a shop, big shop. I mean, like their CNC machines, they have like these gigantic Matsuras that are yes. like just huge. I mean, we're talking like half million dollar machines, maybe million dollar machines. And he got a quote on the rigging to, to oh move these God. machines. And he decided to rent all of the stuff and do it himself. I mean, awesome. that's just the kind of guy this no. is. That's such a manufacturing he thing to do. He did not. He did. He did. He did it all himself. I mean, it was it was classic who this guy is. And I mean, it was fine. But like he put a lot of time and he was just like, I could save do money. Do I know this person? You don't know him personally. You, oh, just, okay. you just know the manufacturing okay. company. Did, so. so did he end up saving a bunch of money? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. He rent, but I, I remember. He I broke, but he dropped his he, machines and all, all the axes and <laughs> He got a hernia, <laughs> cut a finger off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember when I saw the forklift that he rented, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my that God. Is, that is just crazy. Wow. So anyway, let me move on to a little bit of manufacturing news. So I, I thought this was interesting. You guys might not find it as interesting. It's not like exactly it's metal, but it's not necessarily making chips. But 
I first saw this on a government site for Pennsylvania, but then I the site crashed and I was like, okay, let me look somewhere else. So I found another article about it. And the title of this article says Beverage Container Manufacturing Plan for Old Sinram Plant. So basically, this is an article about a large facility in Pennsylvania that was torn to the ground because there's a Polish company called Campac Group that is going to open up a very large aluminum and steel can and glass bottle manufacturing plant in Pennsylvania. And I, th- I thought it was interesting because typically when you think of like Poland and you know Eastern European manufacturing, you don't hear about them investing in manufacturing in the United States. And it was just interesting to hear that they're going to be building this new plant in Pennsylvania, creating over 400 new jobs in the local area. And I thought that that was just some encouraging news. I mean, of course, I always like to hear about entrepreneurs in America starting up manufacturing, but it's good to hear when there's partners. I mean, another country being as close of a partner as Poland, you know, they're a very mm-hmm. close partner of ours. Very, We're very close as a country with Poland. It's good to hear that, that they're investing here in the United States. So this is a beverage uh, they manufacture no they're a can manufacturing can and bottle manufacturing company okay so it would be for like soda or yeah, all that kind of stuff which i okay. guess is probably you want to do that as localized as possible right well um, i just heard a statistic i think it was last night on the world news or maybe it was this morning actually that sales of junk food i.e. potato chips pretzels toastada chips pop soda all of that combos had, had like their their sales were up like skyrocketed and when people were self quarantining oh really sheltering in place interesting everyone just went and bought all that at the, at the grocery store <laughs> so yeah there there was a big spike in junk food during that time so maybe that's what what this is about well I don't think I mean this company's making a spending hundreds of millions of dollars I don't think they're gonna do it based on a spike in Funyuns. But usually you hear about, you know, American companies going to some right. European exactly. company. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. So exactly. It's interesting. I think it's just a good trend that I see that people are going to be investing here in the United States. So it's, it's I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Quite frankly, gonna, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're right, Jim. And, yep. you know, I think we're going to see a manufacturing renaissance. And I think that these manufacturers are definitely going to be looking closely to opening up facilities here in the United States. I so, love the optimism. Exactly. So why don't we move on? to the episode. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear how we're going to learn how to communicate better with family members. Are you going to talk I hope you're going to talk about family members. Not to- not, not specifically no. So these are I, I put together a bunch of bunch of points and these are just based on some of the things that I try to do when I communicate. Like I'm nowhere near a perfect communicator, believe me, my team can tell you that. I can tell that you that. Thank you. And, and there's a lot of things <laughs> that I don't do correctly, but I I genuinely have good intentions as it relates yes, to Yes, I, I definitely agree and, with that. Um, got a, you have a big heart. You, my, you do. You. My, my, my wife would be quick to remind me that it's not about the intent. It's about what I do. And so I've always got her there to hold me honest. So I was doing a little bit of research and, and looking through studies that I can find on miscommunication. And miscommunication definitely costs business money. Different in, studies, in any industry, right? In any industry. Okay. We're, talking, we're not talking manufacturing here specifically right now, but it costs, from what I've seen in some of these studies, four to $5,000 per employee per year. So we're talking billions of dollars a year. So this is a big deal that if you can get your communication right, you can get your company more efficiently operating. So that's why I think this is important for manufacturing leaders. As leaders, you know, a lot of times we think that if we just say something, everybody's going to receive it and get it and do it. No, and it just no, does not no, happen. It that right, happen. Right. I mean, sometimes you tell your employee, hey, 
you've got to increase the speed of your setups. And he doesn't necessarily understand, well, why is that important? Well, maybe you got to tell him why. Or in our case, as a marketing agency, we do these things called renders where you do 3D animations mm-hmm. that are like graphical animations. And we had head of a conversation with the person on our team that does it because they were beautiful and she wanted to make them perfect, but we needed to increase the throughput. Sure. I don't know if you can sure. explain yeah. that, Nick. You know, okay, so we're trying to explain you know, how a fixture works. And... We also have an animator who's really excited about how how we can get the materials looking perfect. And, how, and she's good. Super good. Yeah. We get business because of how good but she is. But we need to do one a week, not one a month. Right. And so it's like, okay, I want you to make me a car and I need it soon. Like, And then we make a Ferrari. Right. Well, my, well, I don't need a Ferrari. Well, the speed limit's yeah. like 65 and I, you know, I'm not trying to get a ticket. So why does I have to go 200 miles per hour? So Same it comes, type of thing. Yeah. So it comes down to you need to communicate certain things about why you want what you want. And on the other end of that, so our engineers have to communicate exactly how this thing works. Not everyone at Making Chips has a mechanical engineering degree. We got smart people who can do CAD modeling and they understand much more than you know the average marketing agency, but we still need the me- mechanical engineers on the AME team to be like, look, here's how the jaw moves. Here's how we locate it to the tombstone. Here's how the workpiece comes in. Here's why it's a unique device. And they have to really communicate that to the agency so that they can hit their delivery date. So it goes both ways. Yeah. So, so look, you, str- you struck a chord with me because I heard four to $5,000 per year per employee. 10 employees, that's 45000 on average. 20 employees, that's $90,000 per year. You've got my attention. You've got my attention. So what do we need to do to to massage this and make the communication much more profound and impactful? So let me, me, before I even go there to some of the points that I try to keep myself aware of, a couple things that I think is going to be obvious to all of us, but I think it, it bears repeating. You can't have a good culture with poor communication. Right. You cannot have a good culture with poor I communication. Yeah, I agree. Everybody in the company needs to be on the same page at the company, right? Like with like, your core like values. They need to understand what you're about and everything. Yeah, your core values, your mission, your your objectives that you're trying to achieve. Yep. And as manufacturing leaders, we need to take responsibility for our poor communication, admit it or apologize to our team about it, and and make corrections. And so that's what I think that I want to have a discussion about today. So the first point in order to you know improve your communication or to cut back on the miscommunication is to be self-aware. So not everybody, as leaders, we, we're short on time. We're always answering questions. We have a lot of people that we're communicating with. And sometimes we're not self-aware to, to understand that not everybody knows what we know. They may well, know no less. one can read your mind. Nobody can read your, ma- your mind. And they, they may know less than you, and they may know more than you about something. So we need to come from the awareness of the self-awareness to understand that, hey, there's something that I can learn from my team, and there's probably a lot of things that my team doesn't understand, and I need to be better at communicating with them. It's like from the traction book that you got us all started on, where he's like, do you see what I'm saying? You know, yes. he's like, yeah, well, do they actually see what you're saying? Yes. And for creative visionary type people, it can be really hard because you, you see it. You see mm-hmm. like what you're trying to communicate and you're like, why don't you get it? And so you got to put like extra attention into the communication. I've learned that and I still struggle with that a lot. Yeah. I think we all like, these are all points that I still struggle with on a, on a regular basis too. So two. So two, this kind of goes back to like, I'm always going to make these like marriage and parenting analogies, but this goes back to something I always have to remember with my wife, especially when we're fighting is when we communicate, we have to assume the best intentions in others. 
So I just had a thing the other day and I'll just, I'll just be honest about it. It was, it was so dumb. It was really dumb. And the bottom line is that this miscommunication was because these two individuals on my team were not assuming the best intentions in each other. So somebody on my team that helps me out like doing payroll was in the system and clocked somebody out at the wrong time. And then she looked at it and was like offended because she was like clocked out beforehand and thought that she got docked 15 minutes. Yeah. And it was like, you guys are assuming the worst in each other. You need to assume the best in each other in this situation, which is that one person made a mistake and we're always going to rectify your pay to your advantage. You know, just because uh, your machine is scraps apart doesn't mean he's trying to sabotage your company. Exactly. Exactly. Nick. So you always, want to assume those best intentions because I think for the most part, there's some bad people out there and I think everybody, you know, we all got our our sin problems, but I I don't think people are trying to do bad things to each other. Well, you have a pretty bad culture if you've got employees that are trying to intentionally do that, right? Yes. And I, I think that most of the people that listen to Making Chips don't have that bad of a bad of a culture. So always assume the best in others. The third point would be have a mutual best outcome in mind and even start a conversation out by saying this. So this is something that I learned. I mentioned this before. Crucial conversations. Is it crucial conversations or is it fierce conversations? Crucial conversations. Okay. Fierce marriage is a podcast. Okay. We both listen to too. So yes, it was, it was that you gave me that book. That was an awesome book. It's a great, it's a great book. And that was one of the best things that I got out of the, out of the book is, is start out a conversation by having the mutual best outcome in mind. And what I mean by that is like, if you have some conflict in your company and you need to confront somebody on something, always keep in mind that there is something that you mutually want to get out of this conversation. It might be just to have a better relationship. It could be that you need to take care of the customer and you need to kind of set your egos aside and say, this is not about me and this is not about you. This is about the company and what we're trying to achieve as a group. Yeah, that mutual outcome thing was my biggest takeaway from that whole book. And it wasn't a little tiny book. What's the name of that book? Crucial Conversations. It's a great, great book. It's, It's real dense though. But I mean, I had my whole team, not my whole team. I had the book club is voluntary, but everybody from my shipping and receiving guy to easy read. No, it's very dense. Oh, okay. It, well, you know, very, I was pr- Jim. I'm so proud of you because I saw you write down a book title. I did. I think he reads now. I do. I do. I, like I've been doing more. Like, I don't read. I don't read. Well, I don't the, read. the traction thing really, you know, changed yeah. me. It That's ma- awesome. Made it's me good. a believer. This book is great when it comes to having a conversation. And, and if you're ever like mediating a conversation between two people, just have them come to the table and be like, okay, look, you guys have different points of view. You disagree with each other, but this is where we want to end up. And if you start off a conversation that way, you're going to have more collaboration. We've all had that feeling where you're like super nervous because you have yeah. to have a really crucial yeah, you wanna, conversation. You put on the boxing gloves and, and you're like start like, off. Oh, yeah. I know I have to have this conversation, but when I do, there's a really high likelihood that things are going to get heated. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Number four, which you guys always accuse me of just being like too direct, but I still think that that's the way to go. <laughs> just be direct and forthcoming, but also have empathy for, for the other person. I don't think that it's, you know, a lot of times, and I've even done this before, you like, you put off having that hard conversation with somebody for just too long because you just don't want to tell them the bad news. Right, and I think a right. lot of times you're, you're, you're not being a good leader by putting that conversation off for too long. Sure. But you need to do it with empathy. You know what I mean? You need to understand where that person is at, if they've got any struggles going on in their mm-hmm. in But their how lives. do you how do you know that? How do you know Well you know your team? Yeah, you, but you, know uh, you don't know what's going on in their personal life. You don't know that their their marriage is in dire straits or their kid 
just got a DUI last week. And some employees don't want to convey well, all that. I, I guess you know, what some, I would... Some people are a little bit private about their personal yeah, lives, I, and their personal lives affect their business lives, right? I agree with you, and I guess that that's, that's a situation where you want to treat other people as you want to be treated. And so regardless of whether the kid had a DUI or they're in a fight with their wife, just treat them like you would want to be treated in that conversation, which would be like, you're doing these things wrong. I'm letting you know about it. This is the third time that we've talked about it. You need to fix it. Okay. Sure. And yeah, you don't necessarily have to know what's going on in their life to know what it feels like to have a lot going on in right. your life exactly. that's affecting your business. But you got to be direct with things. You right. can't like kind of dance around it. You need to be direct. Mm-hmm. Number five would be, and this is just kind of the way that I, I think about it, would be to trickle your thoughts, your ideas, and your questions to the team. So there's a lot of situations where people are like kind of uncertain about what's going on. So as an example, the COVID situation starts and people are thinking to themselves, are we going to be let go? Are we going to be docked pay? Are we going to be put on, you know, 30 hours a week? And and people start making stuff up and spreading oh. rumors and you just got to squash ma- those things. Yep. You know what I mean? And you, you got to come to them and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking. I think we can make it through this. And these are the things that I'm going to be doing. Does anybody else have any feedback, have any better ideas? But like, don't let there be a void by not talking. You know, mm-hmm. at the very least, trickle some of your thoughts out there so that the team can hear what's going on. I guess if there's a void, people will fill it with shenanigans. Bingo. <laughs> yes, that's, the, that's probably the best way to put it. Shenanigans will be talked about. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Number six, understand that people can handle bad news better than they can handle a lack of information. Those, That's so a this, good one. This kind of goes to like number five, but like... Right, very similar, yeah. We, as a species, we, we do survive and we do get through bad things. We get through death, we get through sickness. I think that 2020 has been a testament to that. Mm-hmm. We get through these bad things and we can handle bad news. So if you got to go to somebody and say, I, I need to reduce your pay or... I'm probably, if you don't hit these marks or we don't hit these marks as a company, I'm going to have to reduce your pay. Have those conversations with people ahead of time and understand that they can handle bad news as opposed to just not telling them what's going on. You know, you brought up like how we can handle sickness and we can get through things like that. Have you ever had like an ailment, something wrong with you and you don't know what it is? And you're like, yeah, I just want to know, even if it's horrible news, I just want to know what it is. Yeah. I remember like, I've talked about this before I'm making chips when, when we were really struggling in our business and you and I were out in California, Jim, and I found out this terrible news. And shortly after that, I started having chest pains and I had to get on like adrenal gland support, like all this other kind of crazy stuff. So yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. And it was even though like if someone would have said, Hey, you have a you have a heart defect or something. You're, yeah. you're almost relieved that you know what it is. Exactly. Bingo. Bingo. Yep. Number seven, be specific with what you want. So don't assume this, you know, a lot of these kind of points that I'm talking about go back, go back to like some similar principles, but be really specific with what you want. So I was getting kind of annoyed with somebody on my team because they weren't moving forward with like this automation that I wanted them to do. And one of the things that I, that I realized as I kind of started digging you into weren't myself, specific. I wasn't specific enough about what I wanted to do. I was just trying to tell them, I need you to start automating more in our processes. Yeah, You were too vague. I was too vague. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, well, what does that mean? And and to somebody that's not used to that, like I was talking about like automating the way that we take care of different, like for example, he was doing our payroll and then he was putting those numbers into a spreadsheet. And then he was taking the spreadsheet and putting that into our ERP system. And I'm like, no, we shouldn't be doing that. And I need and and I was just like, make it better, make it automated. And what I should have told him was, 
because he didn't do it automatically and I just was getting upset about it, contact the payroll company and have them create a custom report that they automatically email to you so you don't even have to go in there and do right, it. Right, like automate yeah. these things or even better, have them create a flat file that we can import into our ERP system and boom, you're done. And I wasn't specific enough in what I was communicating to him. So you didn't get in the weeds and that was the problem. And sometimes you, you got to dig have. into the weeds. Yeah. Sometimes you got to right. dig into the weeds. And I, I think the higher level employee, like the more strategic employee, you have to give less detail. You're, at least yeah. in theory should in have theory, to get you lev- should, yeah. less detail exactly. than like more of a more tactical employee that might be newer. Yeah. I mean, anything is on the shop floor you can think of related to that, Jim? As far as giving them... Just being where, where lack of specificity costs you money. Oh, all the time. Absolutely. No question at all. You have to tell them exactly what you want. And the funny thing is you have to know your employees because different people react differently to communication. That's why it's important to know how effective your communication is with each and every person in your in your company. Yep. I mean, one of the things that I hear from, you know, some people digest communication differently too. Yep. Like I'm I'm visual, so I'm much better if I draw something or write something we're down. Gonna get, we're going to get there, Jim. Yeah. I, but what I, sure. what I was referring to is like one of the things that I always hear from manufacturing leaders is our setup times are too long. And this not just doesn't just come from you. It comes from a lot of people. I mean, we're taking too long oh, in setups. It's, it's, a very you know? common, and, it's a very common in the industry. And, and I think that a lot of times you can't just go to your guys on the shop floor and say, you know, hey, I quoted seven hours. You need to get it done in seven hours. You need to, you need to be really specific about what they need to improve. Yeah, like maybe take a look at the fixturing. <laughs> maybe take a look at the fixturing. There I you go. throw that in there. But you know, I have an example where too much specificity could be the problem. Okay, go ahead. And so, and it, but it still comes down to more or better communication, right? So you don't know like who drew up the manufacturing prints. You don't always know that person. I mean, the engineer. Yeah. No. Well, you, no. You, I know where he's going, and you talk about this all the time, so some, Jim. So sometimes there's like an extremely tight tolerance, right? On, a feature that isn't important. Right. And so you quote it, and the, they're like, man, that is, I can't believe it's that expensive. It's going to cost you twice as much. Well, like, do you understand <laughs> that, like, in order to do that, you know, we got to do things that we wouldn't have to do? We have right. to send it out for stress right. relief. And, yeah. No, we right. have to pre, we pre-machine have to it, it have, you know, send whatever. it out for stress relief, and comp, bring it back in, take a dip, flip it over, take equal stock removal on both sides. Yeah, it's... And, and so, so what do you do instead? So will you talk to them? You say, hey, you so talk like, to tell them, me exactly. about that feature. You know, why? Like, what, what is that used for? And ha- more than half the time, they're going to be like, you know what? Yeah, I can open that up for you. And you're like, good, because I'm going to give you a better price. There you go. Bam. And you do yeah. that all the time, too, don't I you? I do. It's called DFM, Design for Manufacturing. Right. And that's always the conflict between engineering and but manufacturing. Like, the problem is the younger and, generation yeah, okay. doesn't like to talk. They want to do everything via email and text. So I think it's important that they get on board. Jim, with, that was very ageist and I'm offended. Well, no, I'm just, I'm I'm just telling it. you what I'm seeing. I'm a pick up the phone guy. You're like an old man in a young man's body anyway. You, <laughs> you are, <laughs> no, you are Nick. Like, you I are just Nick. pick up the phone, right? So, yeah, like, I'll too. see like seven emails back and forth in a thread and I'm like, did you call him? No, like you know how much. Time yeah, you're, you're, you're you are a phone caller person. Like, just call, you know, yeah. figure it out. Sometimes yeah. not need, everybody's like that. Sometimes you need a lot of like written specifics, so I get you know. Well, then you have to like, decide when on. when it has to be written, especially if it's very detailed. Then it has to be written out sure, and nicely sure. redone. So number eight is 
to understand what your team knows and what they don't know. And so what I mean by that is actually seek to understand your team and sure, sure, where sure. they're weak and where they're strong and, and what they know and what they don't know. And that could be in the general tasks that they have to do on a day-to-day basis so that you could better communicate with them. Or it could be like if you're, I do this all the time, if I'm delivering a speech to my team, maybe it's like our quarterly update, I'm asking them throughout the speech, are you tracking with me? Are you understanding? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah but a lot of times they just say, yeah, 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 I know, yeah, but yeah. like you got to you got to kind of dig they're into like it. Nodding their head, and you're I know, like, yeah, they're but nodding you're their not head. Listening. I can but, tell by your face. <laughs> yeah, but that's where it comes down to, Jim. If you sit down with them later and they show the fact that they don't understand, then you can call them and you could be direct with them and say, you know, we talked about this, and I asked you if I'm explaining this well, and I asked you if you understand what I'm saying, and you didn't say anything. This is not an excusable thing that you are now saying right. you don't understand. And if you really want to know, ask them to explain it to you. Like so, there you go. What and I I've done that. That's yeah. a great idea. Yes, you're right. Because if they can't explain it to you, they don't know what the hell you were talking about. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. And and this especially goes for delegation. Like I'm, I talked delegating about, responsibility. Delegating responsibility. I talked about previously on the episode that we're getting our our website ramped up because somebody else is going to be helping me to work on the the e-commerce data and I was just dealing with a situation where I you know I taught him everything and I'm not a very good teacher to be honest with you and I thought I taught him everything that he was supposed to know in order to do these this data work and he didn't get it the first time and that's okay right. but like he needs to make sure and I need to make sure that we we both understand what each other knows yeah it's really important or sometimes I'll do I'll be like hey guys you know, in the digital marketing world, there's lots of like courses you can take and certifications you yep, can take. You're good at that. Yeah. Be like, yeah, hey, take this course, you know? And I took the course. I feel like I grasped it. And then like someone else will take the course. They're like, oh, cool. They even got the certification. Yeah. Well, it doesn't this, mean they actually know how to do it. And this goes back to so like we run our marketing agency on agile principles. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you've been really good about getting the team trained in agile. And you explained it to me and I got it like after you explained sure, it to me sure. for like 10 minutes and, and that was fine. But not everybody even after going through like a multi-hour course. Yeah, yeah, we had some struggles. Yeah, we had some struggles. And sometimes you got to think about their role on the team and like whether they GWC the job. Like That's another EOS term. So GWC, go ahead. Get uh, it, get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. That's going to be, we're going to talk about that on a future podcast. Oh, fantastic, Jim. Okay, number nine, over-communicate. I think that this is just a very simple concept. Keep communicating. Yep. And and I'm not good at this. I need to be better about over communicating. Like you gotta keep communicating your values. You gotta keep communicating your vision. You gotta keep communicating how you communicate with customers. You gotta just over communicate. Talk, 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 talk. That's talk, something talk. my dad always says. I we've never been accused of too much communication. Right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. I, I've heard like this saying that like once you think that you've communicated enough, you're probably halfway there. Yeah. It's like you know? drinking water. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, no one I drink a lot of water, water, though. Yeah? Yeah. So it's always clear. So that's for one you. of our three uniques is communication. There so, you go. and we try to over communicate all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Because and you've communicated your three uniques. So we've, let, me we've see communi- if, let me see if I've heard them and understood them. Okay. Communication, technology, and people. The most the important people, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in order, it's people. People I knew first. I started with a P. I was going to say people, like people, our people or passion or something. Our people, definitely, with, without a doubt, that humans are the most important thing. And then communication is second, and then our technology is third. So our people, our communication, our technology. Yeah, and I would say that probably 99.9% of your customers do not know that, and so you need to over-communicate that, communicate it, communicate it, communicate it to them. Number 10 in the final point, which is learn how others prefer to receive communication. So as an example, if you're going to write Jim an email, jim at makingchips.com, make it like, 
three sentences because he won't read past the first paragraph. <laughs> oh, no. And, if, if it's too long, I won't. And even better, if you're going to email Jim at makingchips.com, is just send him a, a graphic. Draw him a cartoon. You know what? <laughs> infographic. I really like bullets. Bullets yeah. impress the and hell pictures. out of me. Yeah. So I guess it would just be learn how the other person wants to receive right. their yeah. communication. And again, this goes in as it relates to marriage too. My wife does not like things repeated to her. It's like one of her pet peeves. I like So these bullet points kind of go against some of her principles, but she feels like if, if she says something to me once, I need to receive it. So I need to be really careful about listening the first time. <laughs> oh, and I also need to be really careful about not telling her things that I already told her. Oh, yeah. so, and there's some people where they want to have a lot of details and there's some people that just want the high points. So yeah. you need to learn the person that you're communicating and with that and how they do the, that. The Colby test, like exactly. the, the red column was, you yep. know, how much specificity do you get into or just give me just the essentials, Bingo. You know, summarize it for me or, you know, I need to get into the weeds and p- people are all over that. Yeah. Spectrum. Even the, the disc test that, that goes to how people want to receive. It's kind of funny well. though, because like you're talking about repeating what you say and over communicating. And, you know, my dad's been a manufacturing leader my whole life. And so he'd be like, Hey, I need you to mow the yard. And then he'll call me like 20 minutes later. Hey, did you mow the yard? No, dad. And then he'll call me again. And he'll call me again when I was growing up, you know, and it's like the more he told me, the less likely I was to actually do it. Well, and you were doing <laughs> I a don't bad, know why. You were doing a bad job of communicating because you're you should have just said to him the first time, be like, Yes, Dad, I'll mow the lawn. Yeah. But right. I've got these other priorities I want to do first. Is that okay? Yeah. And I'll call you when like, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, that's fine. I'll just call you in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are my 10 points. Hopefully I didn't leave anything out. I mean, what do you guys think that you need to improve as it re- relates to your communication? I know, well, you know I'll tell my you big what, thing is over-communicating. I need to do that better. So I think that we all need to be more cognizant of how important this is because it's really affecting the dollar, the bottom line of yeah, our you're business. Really, you're really struck by that, aren't you? Well, I mean, it, we're in business to make money, right? True. Mm-hmm. We want a better life than the average person, right? Or to we're care willing, for other people. Right. Just depends we're willing on to, We're willing to work harder to provide better things for ourselves and our family, right? That's typically why a person starts their own business. They want the freedom to be their own boss. I, I agree with the freedom part, yes. Okay, but at the end of the day, we got if you're not a profitable company, you're going to go out of business. Correct. So when you're talking about monies, four to $5,000 per person per year, you got a big company, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 employees. Now we're talking about some serious moolah here. And I understand what you're saying here. I, I, there were a few points that I, I took some notes on, but I think communication or over-communicating is the simplest one on that list, and it's the one that's the most powerful. So, yeah, and the one that you it's so easy yeah. to do. Yes. It's yes. so easy to do. And be specific about your instructions. That was mine. Don't talk about something else. Mm-hmm. At the same time, don't. Oh, I am so guilty of that. Right. You know I what I mean? Don't talk trail about like crazy, and people will be like, What are you even talking about? And I didn't mention this as one of the points, but I had to have a crucial conversation with somebody recently. And when people are hearing bad news, a lot of times they like to kind of distract you. And, you know, a lot of times in communication, you got to, you got to stay on point too. And you got to bring people back. I do this with you on the podcast all the time, Jim. You always do. We're in the middle of something and I go down, you go down some rabbit hole. hole, And we talked about this during the, what was that? You and I just talked about it, Nick, where Jim went on a rabbit hole. And I was like, Jim, but we're talking, oh, the sales management episode. Oh, I was talking about the order of the meetings. Yeah. And I was like, Jim, remember? 
remember we're talking about the meetings, and I brought you back. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for catching me, Jason. He, he, I appreciate as that. As a shepherd with that hook, he gra- yeah. wrapped it around your neck and brought you back. <laughs> brought me right back in. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was the specificity thing. So I actually have a real practical example and an agile tool that fixes it. Go. So like, we have a backlog of things that need to get done in a two-week period. Okay, that's part of Agile. We call it a sprint. And all those things that need to get done at the end of the two weeks, we're going to review, right? So I could say, hey, I want you to update this web page. And what I believe updating a web page looks like and what the agency believes updating a web page looks like isn't always aligned. The same. Yeah. So now we have. And, and guess whose fault that is? Mine. Exactly. Well, I would say ours. So if we had a client, it's our job to make it. I'm just meaning like specifying what you want. Absolutely. So now we have what's called like a definition of done or acceptance criteria. So when we have an item in the backlog, we say, okay, it is done when this is accomplished, that's accomplished, that's accomplished, and that's accomplished. Comes time to review the deliverable. The definition of done criteria is there. It's either done or it's not. Right. It took us, I mean, we're how many years into this? Two years. And we've been doing a lot of agile things for a long time. But that's what's so cool about agile and why I'm such a big fan of it is there's, you can diagnose a problem and then there's always a different agile tool that kind of solves that problem. And for us, it was the definition of done. I like that. That's good. And mm-hmm. it even comes down to simple things like, you know, Jimmy, you know, we're always talking about like making sure, you, you know, you get your jobs delivered on time. And it's like, What's the definition of a job that's done? Does it mean it's done machining at five o'clock when the guys are ready to punch out? Or does right. it mean that it's it's on the UPS truck? Or does it mean that the customers received it? I mean, right. like, what's the definition of done? You know? Yeah. It's, that's or important it, to know. Or is it done machining and it's out at the anodizer? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, don't, and don't forget the quality check. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I would say you got to know what you're talking about there. You got to define the terms. Well, you know what they say. What if do they say? you're not communicating effectively. You're not making chips. Well, you're certainly, what we just talked about, if you're not communicating effectively, you're not making making money. money. And if you're not making chips, you're certainly not making money. So, bam. Bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 